We are Wrestling Leaders. I'm your host, Alex Gibson, alongside the most engaged man in podcasting, Sean Nash. I'm the only member of this trio to have a doctorate in both Steiner Math and Basic Thugonomics, Chris Scott Moore. How's it going, boys? What makes your nipples hard? <laughs> I don't have anything uh, to say about that. Uh, and we're off. I also want to... Uh, <laughs> I also want to make a welcome back uh, comment to my microphone that was in warranty replacement purgatory for quite some time. So happy to be back to having some uh, quality audio back on the podcast on my end. Um, We are back as well from a week of uh, some tech issues that caused us to lose our last episode, which we are going to make available to the highest bidder just in case uh, Martin Shkreli is listening and would like to put up some money towards that. Uh, We do appreciate everybody tuning in to listen to us once again. Um, did get some comments that people were missing the episode last week. So that's always good to hear. Uh, please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wrestling elitist podcast. Check out our website, wrestling for our latest match reviews and articles. Uh, this week we will have a couple of different, uh, articles coming out, uh, both, um, some match reviews and some great stuff that happened over the last few weeks, uh, as well as some thoughts that I have on, uh, Chris Jericho and just kind of, uh, the direction of the WWE right now. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Sean, why don't you let the people know the plan for the night? Tonight, uh, there was a pretty newsworthy debut on All Elite Wrestling, so we're going to get into that. Our favorite match, moments, least favorite cringe, and what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks, along with everything else happening in the wrestling world. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, Chris, why don't you uh, kind of talk about what we all pretty much unanimously had as the news of the week this week? Yeah, feel good return to wrestling. Renee Peckett uh, debuted on AEW uh, and was a huge success right away and immediately. Uh, she does such a great job. I think I put in my articles on the website, I've enjoyed Tony Schiavone's renaissance as sort of like a Gene Ogreland type, but Renee is the best at doing this. So it was great to see her back. And I think Renee's just as great as any other sideline reporter in the NFL, if not better. Uh, she's amazing at what she does doing the being a stick man or stick woman in this case. Uh, she's fantastic at what she does and the crowd missed her. It was cool to see her back and just goes right in the swing of things with Christian and then uh, backstage later on, I think swerving our glory. So um, she's awesome. Glad to have her back. She feels like she just has a good repertoire with the the younger generation of wrestling, the younger fans and everyone currently watching. So it's just perfect fit for that and keep Tony Shivani at the desk and have just a great commentary team. Yeah, there's a reason that ESPN was going after her the whole time she was in WWE. They kept giving her more and more because they knew that eventually she was going to outgrow the WWE. I think that it, it speaks a lot. I think it, it is a big get. It's it's a backstage reporter, but it's a big get. And I think that she had some more legitimacy other than Marvez or some of the other nerds that they've had Oof. be backstage interviewers or anything like that. I think she's already come out and said that she won't be doing anything at the commentary desk. She made a joke specifically that she doesn't think that uh, she thinks that that'd be torture towards people. So um, I'm excited to see what she does. I think also it just kind of really reinforces what's going on with Mox right now. He just signed a five-year deal. Now his wife is going to be a part of the show every week. So they'll be together. There's a lot of talk on that five-year deal with Mox that Tony wanted to specifically make sure that he was incentivizing him to keep himself clean, not do anything that could tempt him to kind of go down the path that he was in right around this time last year. So I think overall, from a health standpoint for their ace, you know, John Moxley, this is a this is a huge thing as well, because it, it just shows that he's going to have everything that he needs in front of him um, to be successful over the next five years and really dedicate himself to AEW. And I think Renee is going to do a great job also on the kind of just pushing, pushing storylines forward. And hopefully she'll kind of command a little bit more respect than Tony seems to, uh, when he's interviewing people, cause he seems to get run over. So I kind of hope they give her a little bit of a personality that she'll push back at times. Yeah. And I think too, she can be some sort of like an Oprah for AEW too. Um, she can do like, as her, her show is really quite good. Like with, it is. Uh, FTR, she had some amazing episodes that were very raw and emotional. I think she could pull that off on whatever type of show that they may be coming out with. We'll talk about later in the future, but uh, she definitely is a good journalist and good broadcaster. Um, And so it's good to have her there, but I think it's, everything's going to work out fine there and their game does need to be up when it comes to commentators and backstage personnel. And this was a big win. It was Um, kind of moving towards, uh, 
let's keep let's keep the corporate synergy going. We all had I, kind of the same match of the week. I think Chris, you had you had two, so I don't know what you ended up settling on actually. But uh, we'll start with you. <laughs> what was your official match of the week? Oh, my official match of the week was uh, Orange Cassidy going over Pac. I thought that was uh, such a fun match right from the get go. Uh, these two have an amazing chemistry, and they just go at such a high motor. Uh, I love that spot of the Falcon Arrow on the outside and then Pac mm-hmm. doing the tombstone and then Orange Cassidy doing the barrel roll <laughs> casually back into the ring. All the way. And like, yeah, kind of a silly spot, but like it's almost it just kind of works on the tension of like, is he gonna be so goofy that he doesn't like spin fast enough? And that stage also was like that ramp was ridiculously long in Toronto. So it just kind of stretched out the tension in that. And I thought, I don't know, that worked for me. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with this. Yeah. I love the selling uh, with Pac at the end. Just great body rigor mortis on the, the DDTs there. Per- perfect selling. Oh, and God, yeah. yeah. I, I love to see where it goes. But Pac had it kind of built in his contract to just kind of come and go as he pleased. So will we see Orange Cassidy use that title overseas like Pac did in a couple matches and being defended all over, not just us and canada it'll be interesting to see what that what the defenses look like for for orange cassidy is he going to kind of do it on the indies and everything like that because it does sound like there's going to be some cutting back on aw talent being on the indies there's um this is probably something we could have fit into our news of the week or or the other stuff that we talk about at the end but supposedly there will be no more aw talent and gcw shows so um, it'll be interesting to see if that kind of that trend continues um i thought that the match was great Pac just completely crumbled uh, off that orange punch at the end. That was a it was a great kind of just sell. He's almost got that Dolph Ziggler syndrome where it's like he's so good at taking a beating that it almost feels like it hinders his ability to truly be a star because he makes other people look so good and making them stars. Um, I thought that it was a good good match overall. I also I tweeted last week, you know, looking at the card on Wednesday night as I was preparing for for Dynamite, I was a little annoyed that. The main event with uh, Danielson versus Jericho, that's something that we've seen time and time again. And in just the year that they've had Danielson, we've seen that match three times now. And then uh, uh, Pac versus Orange Cassidy, we've seen that recently twice. Plus, they had that original match at the uh, First Revolution pay-per-view. So I was a little bit annoyed at kind of some retreads for their big shows. But like both of those matches delivered uh, and... Orange Cassidy continues to prove me wrong. Every time I'm like, eh, I don't think, think I don't think he's for me. He ends up putting on a great match. Uh, while I'm not super invested in him, I always know I can I can count on him to have a great match. And I'm excited to see what his um what is what his next feud looks like. And hopefully they give him a real feud because I feel like the Atlantic title's kind of been there. There hasn't it's been a nothing burger so far. When there totally. are too many goddamn titles, it's hard to invest in any of them right now with how many they're all over the place and on the show. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm always pleasantly surprised with Orange Cassidy, too. And I think that's one of the biggest things you could say about him is sometimes maybe it wears thin or you go, oh, I don't want to see him. But then when he's given time, he does deliver and he does great shit. And maybe they held off on giving him a title because they wanted to make sure there was good creative for it when he did have the belt and there's something cool we could see. We talk about how interesting he would be as a heel character. Um, Mm -hmm. But somehow him defending the title could be very clever and very creative. There could be some genuinely good comedy there as well. Um, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I'm excited to see it too. And I think uh, last week in the last episode, just to give people a little bit of a hint of what we talked about, I, I think we we addressed kind of Bo Dallas had come out and put out uh, some, he had done an interview where he had talked about the problem when he went from NXT to WWE was that nobody on the main roster got what Bo Dallas was, but okay. Bo did. And he had to do things that he felt like weren't part of his character, but it was like, I got to do this if I want to keep my job. And I think that that's one of the great things about AEW is Tony Khan doesn't have to fully understand Orange Cassidy. He trusts that Orange trust knows who he, who that character is and lets them be that. And I think that that's, that's what makes AEW special at the end of the day. Yeah, it's moving a needle. You know, I also um, want to mention too that that crowd was amazing in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, that was, a, that, that was a great, they showed uh, up. 
great venue. Uh, I initially thought like, God, that's kind of small, 6,000 people, but it looked huge on television. The way that it was such this long outstretched oval. Uh, again, you had that really great long ramp. Uh, they did a fantastic job and that crowd was into everything. Uh, Toronto is a historically famous wrestling city. Jack Tunney, even though he was like a character on old WWF TV, he was, uh, the promoter up there. And that was always a hot crowd and always a hot city for wrestling. So hopefully they do go back there and they can do a show one day in fucking sky dome even, or they can do one in the, wherever the maple leaves play. Um, Cause that's a big market and I think they can pull it off. And I think they got fans that will want to come back and bring people they like with them too. Absolutely. And I think it also kind of just is a great reminder for why they need to start going to new markets instead of just, hammering yeah. and hammering the same cities. I know that we say it as a joke about bitterness because Detroit only got one show so far in their existence, but uh, you know, we're seeing things talking about ticket sales being a little bit low in a lot of markets and it tends to be the places that they've been three, four times over the last year or so. So um, not only is Toronto already a great, a uh, great place to be, but they've been clamoring for this and they fucking delivered. Uh, moving on to our moment of the week, uh, Sean, what did you have that stood out? I love that little moment of uh, the rift in motion for Swerve in Our Glory. The Keith Lee kind of just taking a minute, pause and swerve and saying, step back. I'm, I'm with you because I, I believe in you, but you're you're getting too big for your britches. You're biting off more than you can chew with the, the shit you're trying to throw. I can't wait for this this team to to break up and go go separate ways and fight. And that was just great. Perfect. Keith Lee, little backstage, just philosophical sounding man that he is just kind of give it, giving it to the, his punker friend. But I love that. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a good, it was a good spot. And I think that they've done a good job of, you know, even when they kind of were, they played the heels in that all out match. You kind of hoped that it wasn't actually going to be the group turning heel. And it was more so Keith Lee was playing it in the moment because that's his tag team partner. But, at the end of the day that they were going to eventually split and you'll get to see still face Keith Lee because realize yeah, I don't even, he would be interesting as a, as a full on heel just because I can't picture it. Who Keith Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. How do you have like a, a lovable big bear be a heel? I don't know. Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? Too. Yeah. I, I, I think this is a great angle uh, in process. Um, I put on the article on the website that, yeah, they're a little bit low on tag teams, and we have kind of done this thread of uh, teams breaking up. Jurassic Jurassic Express uh, recently broke up, obviously, and have a have a thing going on, and then Ricky Starks and Hobbs as well. They both had kind of diminishing results when they played those storylines out in matches at All Out, but I think at, uh, if they put this slowly, they could do a lot of great things. What this kind of reminds me of in an odd way is like a Luger-Sting thing. And that had meat on the bone for years of like Sting being the good guy, but he is friends with this dick Lex Luger and <laughs> that they ran for that for, I mean, probably, probably four years of that storyline and they'd always would be friends anytime they were in the same promotion. So they could kind of do that as well. Um, but I think when they do finally face off and have a proper angle, they'll be in a good position because the crowd really does hate Swerve. Swerve is great at playing the heel that's a tweener but he's more of a heel and keith lee is just like god you can't fuck him up so like these two should have a really great program so i'm excited to see how it plays out totally yeah they they really should have a great program and i think too um it's just it's nice to see a when there is going to be a, a split or a, you know especially if one's going heel and the other one's you know staying face it doesn't always have to be a surprise you know obviously when you know when hobbs clotheslined uh starks that was a surprise and yeah. <laughs> obviously we've been seeing it with uh the breakup of jungle boy and luchasaurus swerve you know no pun intended but swerves everywhere with those two um and, and continuing to do that like sometimes it could be something that we all see coming and it's not you're not just like sowing a seed it's you're kind of being a little bit less subtle about it yeah the writing's been on the wall many of their matches there's been those moments where it looks like swerve's about to do it just like there was the the hangman kenny omega mm -hmm. feud that was about to happen is he going to hit the uh, buckshot on him just those little teases just keep that story going it's beautiful absolutely and speaking of subtlety 
Um, let's go to my moment of the week. So one of the one of the great uh, returns over the last uh, few months, I think, has been you know in Triple H era has been the Bray Wyatt return with the start of the subtle White Rabbit uh, stuff, and then his debut that uh, happened at uh, Extreme Rules a few weeks ago, and then his uh, return promo that he had on Friday Night SmackDown to close the show. I thought it was really well done. I think it's really. I'm first of all, I'm really happy that there doesn't seem like they're going necessarily with the fiend here. I didn't love the fiend. Um, my, I've talked about it before. My favorite iteration of Bray is just swamp, swamp Bray. I like, I like him. I'm a gator guy. He felt like he liked the alligators <laughs> back then. Um, and I, I just overall, I, I think that that was the one that I, that spoke to me the most. I like, I like the spookiness of the undertaker. And if you do it right, like that type of like mystical character works. And I think right now that they're they're planting the seeds for a Bray that could be that. Um, he kind of reminded me, I said in our group chat, of kind of like the Green Goblin with uh, Willem Dafoe, who just kind of like the Green Goblin is every time he looks in the mirror, the mask's talking to him uh, and kind of corrupting him. And the way that he came out and he got a chance to actually speak to the fans a little bit as himself, thanking them for the last year, their support that they've given him. And, but it also worked in character assuming that that's what this is, that mask that showed up at the end is what corrupts him and what really truly drives him. I thought that it was just a really unique uh, way to do it because the fans want to cheer Bray right now. And in order for us to, you know, for us to get kind of past that, I think he needed to cut that promo that he had uh, on Friday night. So I was really impressed with it. Did you guys get a chance to see it? And if so, uh, what were your thoughts on it? Sean, do you want to go first? Um, I didn't actually. I was a little busy on Friday night, but you go for it. <laughs> you had a couple of things. Going we all on have priorities. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love the promo. So what I thought of it, and and I'm glad you talked about it because this was a character too. This was not him being real life Bray. And I think a lot of people like think that this is the real him. First of mm-hmm. all, we've never seen the real him on TV ever. The entire time he's been in. WWE, even as Husky Harris, that wasn't the real him. So I thought this was a character too. And what it reminded me of is uh, Oliver Reed. Now that's a weird fucking reference. Oliver Reed is a British actor who is like the inspiration for Stewie's voice on Family Guy. So if you want to watch something fucking insane, go watch Oliver Reed on Letterman from 1987. He's drunk on the show and he's doing all these weird characters. And that's what it like reminded me of. He actually did like a character that was almost kind of similar to how Bray spoke. And that was like my thought of like, Oh, he's doing this schizophrenic character or doing like the goblin thing where Mm -hmm. uh, this is his good regular persona guy, but he's, also going to have some weird versions of himself so i think yeah will it be six personalities hence why it's six uh that could be a lot to juggle but it could be a way of keeping him fresh too so i like it so far i i I think it's gonna go in a good direction this is one of those things where you go okay let's see where it plays out but i thought it was a really good uh promo and it did make people think it was the real him talking and it felt almost like how uh, remember when Mark Henry did that fake retirement? Yeah. And his oh, acting was so best. good that people were like, oh, that's the real thing. Like this kind of had that as well, where people were very moved by it and got all uh, sucked in. And I think, okay, cool. That's a good thing. Uh, play off it. Yeah. I think too, what, what I like about it is it instantly makes sense to me how this translates to a character in the ring. But remember when the Firefly Funhouse came out, I was like, how does this go from being this weird kid's show like like satire type of a thing into him being in the ring and there to me it never really connected but this yeah it already makes sense how this can be a character and how this can be moved forward because that wasn't bray wide either that was peewee's playhouse on fentanyl um, <laughs> <laughs> like, i mean which was an interesting thing in itself i guess but I mean, that was a nice try, but I think the Vincey stuff and the Kevin Dunn and these guys that are just completely in the bubble, they have no way of pulling it off. So hopefully he can, you know, be creative and we get to actually see, okay, are you good at, are you a good promo? Are you a good uh, creator of a character? And are you good in the ring? Because now there's no excuses. There's no Vince there. Absolutely. That's the most exciting thing about this to me. Um, well, speaking of returns to old gimmicks and paying homage, uh, Chris, how about you talk about your moment? 
this was a 10 and then kind of a negative 10 in its own way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was Sean Spears coming back to AEW. Uh, he appeared on Dynamite and then had a match on Rampage. And it was his after Rampage uh, speech that he did, gave to the live crowd that was actually uploaded on YouTube, which was my moment of the week, just because it was so uplifting. Uh, he talked about losing his mom, unfortunately, and how he got to spend a lot of time with her and they got to say everything that they needed to say to each other. Very emotional. You actually saw a lot of people in the crowd crying and having tears. Uh, and then he mentioned that he was having a boy um, as well. So he felt like he had a guardian angel for his son. So I love that just from the feel good aspect of it intellectually though and i hate to shit on it such a sweet moment but it's like he's back to the same character he was what the hell's going on with the pinnacle um why would wardlow want to even see him wouldn't wardlow want to just beat the shit out of him um i don't know it just was uh it didn't make sense in their own world in their own uh storyline i just didn't see the point of um are you the pinnacle or are you not in acknowledging that that just seemed a little bit uh, screwy. So I like that he's back. I think the guy's so fucking underrated and he's a great glue for the show. He can do so many um, subtle things with his acting. He's such a underrated uh, expressor of emotion and he can really sell things in a subtle way. But I thought the storyline of him coming back to be with FDR and Wardlow in particular is needed to be more earned and they could have done some things to make that happen. Yeah. To quote Cody Rhodes, he's a great hand and he, I am happy to see him back. It is weird though. Cause first of all, the, the perfect 10 gimmick that that was an NXT gimmick. So yeah. I'm surprised that they were able to get that. I guess maybe WWE let the trademarks lapse on that, but I think it's even the same music that he had back then. My Jerry problem retiring, you know, that's what, <laughs> yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> That was a part of like Vince's, yeah, Vince, Vince leaving. He, they let that go. Um, I think that, um, you know, my problem with the debut is it's, it's AEW's problem where they just, they always want to get a surprise pop. I think that that return, especially returning to the, to the perfect 10, returning to most of his pinnacle team members beyond MJF, it would have made way more sense to have some vignettes over the last few weeks leading up to his response return and kind of explaining that he's looking for himself or he's trying to become what he once was or what he could have been. He lost his way when he joined AEW, something along those lines. It just felt like they, they just, they're like, Oh, we haven't had a surprise return in a long time. So we need to do that. And I think when I look back on a lot of their returns, I love, don't get me wrong. I love a great chance to be surprised by somebody showing up that you don't expect. But majority of the time, I think, I mean, even if you do a, debut where it is a surprise or you know like you don't necessarily show vignettes you should always be dropping some subtle hints or doing something to kind of like pepper it in i think that you know you should keep this super super surprise as rare as you can um but i just i just feel like there's this over reliance on that and i think it didn't make a whole lot of sense and it's like you said with the pinnacle what are they are they still together are they not are they a team are they going to be a team moving forward um you know as much as wwe likes to break up tag teams sometimes too early looking at you know group like the hurt uh business or uh just in general most of the factions and teams they've had over the years i think AEW is a little bit they're almost afraid they're like almost afraid to break up a friendship that that's on television and sometimes you just got to do it and i just didn't really fully understand it i'm happy for sean spears excited to have him back Excited to see what he can do, uh, you know, kind of refreshing from that chairman character he's had since day one. So overall, that was kind of my thoughts. Chris, did you have something there? Yeah. yeah and I think it's a battle between what's going to pop a rating. Is it going to be promoting something and doing these vignettes that get people engaged? Or is it going to be because there is a, a surprise and you didn't see it coming? That's what make you want to watch the show every week. They don't know which one it is. And WCW kind of fell to that problem too. And also part of me wonders also if they were worried about negative feedback, if they did do vignettes and 
it just fell like a fart in church. Like some of the edges <laughs> vignettes that he did where it was just like another fucking character with him again. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, not interested. So maybe they were just saving him for that. You know, who knows? But I think they do have to decide what's going to be the biggest driver of ratings. Is it a surprise or is it something that's promoted? But I think it should be like in my mind, it should be something that's promoted. Um, tune in because you're going to see this awesome return. Even if there are subtleties to it and you don't know who it is, but um, I don't know. Maybe they were also concerned that people would think it's Kenny. Yeah, or like but I great think Canadians coming back that could lead people to think it <laughs> yeah. was going to be Kenny or Don Callis. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe it for me it's a little bit too recency bias, right? Because I loved what they did in WWE with Bray's return, like the the whole kind of grassroots way that they built the hype around it. But I even look back at you know, say Sting's debut, like they could have been dropping. They, they didn't necessarily have to say it's going to be Sting or something. But like it, if I look back, like what the fuck was Sting doing there to save Darby? Why was he there? <laughs> like they never they don't even retroactively really explain things sometimes. And I think that that's something that oh, yeah. I, I love AEW still. Um, I just think that Tony. Tony sometimes does what he thinks is going to be exciting in the moment and thinks I, it sometimes feels like short term thinking rather than long term at times. John, did you have anything to add? I mean, we're skirting the real thing. There's a guy walking around with the name 10 already on, on the show. <laughs> yeah. And you're just scooping his heat. Uh, Come on. But that's another You've thing. been burying the lead this whole, this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. No, but. That's another uh, thing as well. I, I don't understand why they're doing these. And I put it in my article too. Like, I don't understand why there's such a tendency to have these angles where they recruit guys that are kind of jobbers like why would you want him to join your stable what's he going to bring to you in value like yeah his contract can't be making that much money if it's brian danielson i get it because he's gonna make a shitload of money but if it's like trust buster guy he's not gonna make a lot of money like it just doesn't make any sense like the logic of it i just don't i don't know that's one of their weird tropes that i don't get at all yeah well, uh, well, we've been we've been negative, but let's just dive negative. a little bit deeper. Let's get a little bit more negative. Let's get more negative. Yeah. Oof. So, Chris, that wasn't even your cringe of the week. What was yours? <laughs> the Daniel Garcia saga. And it's a cringe, too, because of how great he is as a worker and how much the crowd and I have been invested in the Euro wrestler chant and people getting into him. And he's first of all been doing this mopey. Uh, soulen faced, um, hang dog expression kind of kid look for so long when he was in the custody battle between Jericho and Danielson, and then now he does a turn back to them, and his explanation was so fucking weak. It's it the same was, thing he said about Jericho forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, and it's the same thing that Luchasaurus just did, where he turned, then didn't turn, but then returned. It's the same thing for for Daniel Garcia. He's white hot right now. If you make him a baby face, let him truly have a run and and push him. And this just completely fizzles everything out to me. The explanation had to be perfect in order for what they did to work. And it was just lame. Convoluted. And, yeah. you know, it's it in the same way that there's it's pops for the sake of a pop. It felt like a swerve for the sake of a swerve. Swerve, bro. Yeah, yeah. There's there's already enough swerves on the roster. So Too many. yeah. John, what was your cringe of the week? My cringe goes back to a an old heated rivalry I have. Matt Taven <laughs> showed up on TV, all AEW. He's heard we're doing a podcast and it's all about all elite wrestling. So he had to show his face. That son of a bitch. I've had this <laughs> deep seated hate for him since we've gone to Ring of Honor shows at Dearborn. <laughs> Uh, earlier today, I was kind of calming down on it, but still, it just ticks me off his back. Sean, it drives me crazy because that guy gave you like a three-minute cameo for your birthday a couple years ago. Did he that really? Was, he did way more than he needed to do. Yeah, I was just like, hey, wish my buddy Sean a happy birthday. He's your favorite. You're his favorite wrestler. And it was like, <laughs> we should really find did like three yeah. minutes like about how great of a guy Sean is. Oh, it's awesome! How could you <laughs> hate him? The feelings aren't reciprocated. You can. I'm gonna. Go to sh- I'll. Uh, I'll share some of it on the Wrestling Elitist Instagram. 
Good. That's good. awesome. Yeah, I would love to see that again. That son of a bitch. Yeah, we'll teach him to have a big heart of gold. Yeah, we'll uh, teach him to go <laughs> above and beyond. You sack of uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that was that was truly wonderful. And uh, I mean, he looks he looks jacked. He looks yoked. He looks ready to uh, take on him and the kingdom. Ready to take on FTR for those whatever titles they're going to be going for. So uh, yeah, cool, I, I, but uh, it was random. I hope it, I hope it's a short term thing. I, the kingdom just does nothing for me. My biggest worry is that with Kyle O'Reilly still out and Bobby Fish uh, now doing uh, God Great knows things what, to keep yeah, yeah, probably uh, probably the chief operating officer at Parlor or something. Um, <laughs> uh, my worry is that we're going to see Adam Cole <laughs> become like the leader of the kingdom and that's going to be who he feuds with the elite with oh no i forgot about the that king, yeah. he's a he's an og kingdom member too yeah Ooh. so i i hope that that's not the case i hope it's a short-term uh short-term play there but as we look forward to the future let's think positively positive mental attitudes uh anticipation chris what are you looking forward to i'm looking forward to that hangman moxley match i think that's going to be amazing as far as I know, these two haven't wrestled before, right? This is the first touch. Um, it seems like it is. is right. I, I believe, believe Mox even mentioned that, in, or they, or one yeah. of them mentioned it in their first. Yeah, I believe this will be their first uh, time, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. yeah. So this is a good match that they haven't done before, and I think it's going to be really, really, really good. Uh, Hangman's been wearing awesome outfits lately, and <laughs> his uh, <laughs> promo was great. He did such a great job with that promo, yeah. like the hitting his own forehead and the whole line about like the, the drugs are or my depression still here. The medicine's not working, but I'm here. Um, resonated. I think it's going to be a great match. And uh, I love how Moxley just was like, I don't believe you. And <laughs> just no salt at all. And just, I'm yeah. not buying into it. Uh, <laughs> I think they're going to have a banger of a match. I, this is totally. Moxley hasn't bled for a couple of weeks. So I expect a lot of blood in this match. And it's going to be a crazy ass match because he's in Cincinnati. So I think the heat for it's going to be amazing. The crowd, for some reason, does want to boo Hangman. So I think uh, they'll have their outlet to do so in Cincinnati. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Mox is probably he's probably got too much blood right now. He's got a he's got to drain a little bit. He's feeling a little heavy, and go to it's going to be a good match. I'm. This is going to sound like a crazy statement because think about where we were a year ago with Hangman, but. Does it feel like AEW is like just afraid to commit to him? Because in this time where you do have the elite are gone, CM Punk is just napalming bridges. Um, you know, you've got all these injuries. Hangman's kind of just he's just kind of a guy that's been around lately. Um, but he then shows you when he does get into a program like this with Mox, he's a fucking star and he cuts the best promos. He's super relatable to people and he's just he's truly a star and it's almost kind of a shame that he feels like he's just been he's almost just doing side quests or something like that right now mm-hmm. instead of having main feuds i think that he needs to be he basically needs to have not the cody verse but that cody spot that cody had before he left yeah my my tinfoil hat conspiracy that i think a lot of people might have is perhaps there was something to punk going after him repeatedly Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, he made that line that was very innocuous about like, I don't need to take advice because I've been doing well. And he said it jokingly. But I don't know. Maybe there's something behind the scenes that makes him just think I can target this guy. I don't know. I I hope that's not the case. But I think like people watching the show could think that that's the case because he's been Mm -hmm. kind of coming and going. Uh, And I don't know. I think he's a bankable star. He's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't feel like he was a former champion of the last year, but almost even further with how much he's been relegated just to the the battle royales or the the ladder match just to to get his chance. It's not his true recent accomplishments. I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm not throwing on Monday night football. Russell Wilson's playing. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Matt Riddle, <laughs> Seth Rollins, US title. That sounds hot. The, after that uh, fight pit match they had at Extreme Rules, excited to see this this again for some title. It's going to be fun, and that's where I'll be tonight. 
Yeah, it'll be good. And it was, uh, I don't know if you saw last week when Rollins actually won the the yeah. title. Um, that was a, uh, it was a good, it was a good match the way that they had Brock beat up Bobby uh, Lashley prior to the match. Um, and really stick it to explain him. why that happened. And hopefully we get to see Lashley versus Brock again, because I feel like we got cheated out blood of that in money. the past. That's what was that? Blood money. Definitely blood, blood money. money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, we are, this is the first time in Wrestling Leaders history, but uh, the anticipation for no, myself is also, it's also a wrestling uh, or a WWE anticipation. So on Friday Night SmackDown, it was announced that Rey Mysterio had not quit the WWE and he was just going to be moved to SmackDown so that he doesn't have to uh, face his son, who is the world's worst actor on, uh, on the Judgment Day. Um, and he won the fatal four way for the number one contendership to face Gunther for the intercontinental title. That match just, there's something that interests me about it. Ray has always been able to show up and show out against guys that he really shouldn't have any chance with. And, uh, Gunther is just such a fucking monster that I'm just really interested in how they go about, uh, making that match work and hopefully it turns out to be good and i don't look like an idiot like i'm worried that like mysterio is just gonna get chopped once and die Um, (laughs) but we'll see there's been so many memories of Rey mysterio against the big guy whether it's big show kali um that crazy australian dude that they brought in back in the day um that like fought with the undertaker there's so many examples where mysterio just shows out with with the big men yeah he's it's crazy how old is he he's got to be pushing 45 by this point the guy didn't even have knees 10 years ago and now he's having a renaissance and just really excited to see how that goes um i'm just picturing all the different ways that uh gunther can uh, torture him also can we get gunther's name to be walter again i hate saying please please I think he um, likes Gunther, though. I don't know how. That's what makes it worse. Is like he actually seems like he likes it because he he put some tweet out. He's like, "Walter's what you'd call like a four year old." Oh it's yeah, like, I remember that. You call it, which is funny Gunther's because I think the idea of a four year old. I think like a four year old named Walter is like the funniest thing in the world. So, just seems like an old man name, especially in all right. caps too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what um, I'm gonna name my son. It's gonna be all caps. <laughs> screaming at you <laughs> uh, well moving on to some other stuff that just didn't necessarily fit within the uh, the confines of our uh, segments here uh, the first one that I just kind of want to touch on and it it's about kind of you mentioned earlier that there's too many titles right now going on in AEW part of that problem is the ROH titles it feels like every match that happens is for some title uh, and especially when you have like two world titles, you have the ROH world title and then you have the AEW world title. What makes one worth more than the other doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I'm at the point where ROH either needs to go to, de- you know, defunct or extinct or they need to get it its own show. They need to cut it out with having it so involved, especially on Dynamite. If you want to make Rampage an ROH show in some form, okay, do whatever you need to do. But it's I think it's really taking away at this point from the overall product. It feels like there's no focus on anything and you they can't seem to put together a feud that doesn't revolve around a title. Yeah. And it feels like back in the day or um, most recently, the pure title had just no shine, but then AEW's every week. It's pure title here, pure title there. It's become too much. You don't hardly see half of it, the AEW champions and their titles. Let's let's worry more about your brand than the the former. I mean, I get if they're, if they're really on the precipice of a deal to get it, its own show somewhere, I can understand it, but then that's a lot of content and you're also wanting to do a women's show. And you also want to do a backstage behind the scenes show as well. That I guess apparently is going to come out. So that's, you're serving so many masters and that's been the downfall of AEW. Um, if there's one thing that you could universally say has been their weakness is that they're serving too many masters. That's always been a problem for them. And it's really been a problem in 2022 with the new Japan invasion stuff, ring of honor things like focus on just what you have 
and you're going to do great things because you always do do great stuff when you do focus. But yeah, the ring of honor is just, um, I mean, it's kind of why I wasn't in, didn't want it to even go down or I was kind of trepidatious about it because the marketplace already deemed that no one wanted ring of honor because they went under and you could buy them. AEW yeah. is a better version of a of Ring of Honor, and it's good for the streaming stuff. Maybe one day, like to have that to be able to go watch. But I'm not the first one to say this too. But like, people don't watch vintage shit on the WWE network. Really, the highest watch shows are, you know, fucking swerved, and they're <laughs> dumbass like Foley's fun or family whatever show, and then the the the, the network specials like. People Legends aren't House. really in mass. Yeah. People in, in, in mass aren't watching, unless they're me, old episodes of Wrestling Challenge from 1986. So I don't know. I just don't. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice part of the bundle. But boy, it, there's so many titles going around. And there just seems like there's so many shiny bells that are going off that need to not ring. I would argue that AEW has too many titles, even without ROH. Oh God, yeah, sure. So when you add in the ROH titles, it's it's too much. Uh, and similarly, like all elite women, you made this point in our group chat. Book the women right on the regular TV show before you worry about giving them their own show. Totally. Like God they haven't us, had that anything. Would be if that was a show, like what the fuck would that be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just just establish it and let it be. Let it be something good on its own. Let make the women's division so good that people are demanding that we get an, you know, an hour or two hour a week show. That's strictly the women's division instead of just wanting to do it, to do it, like prove that you actually have the capability to book that. And I think that that's the problem right now. Um, I am excited for that documentary show to see this behind the scenes stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, kind of, you know, what that actually entails uh, it's very unfortunate they that they were not filming that in August. <laughs> if only. Uh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, it's perfect uh, timing with Tales of the Territories as well. Just kind of all, yeah. all this little back behind the scenes stuff. It's great for the fans. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then uh, there was some uh, wrestling journalist drama. Chris, can you kind of fill us in on all of that? Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna mispronounce his name, so it makes me look like a huge dick for even bringing go. it up. But Ariel Hawani uh, does mixed martial arts, mostly reporting. But he did say, like, talking to Tony Khan was the most excruciating interview he's ever done. Which Tony Khan is not a great interview, um, in the sense that he's going to give you a lot of information. So uh, Ariel was frustrated that he wasn't getting anything out of Tony, and. Uh, Meltzer kind of echoed the same thoughts. Now, sometimes what, <laughs> like, they had a little back and forth between Ariel and a couple of other wrestling journalists as well. So he mentioned that people were making a false equivalency between his interview with Tony and his interview with Triple H. And he's like, he's not going to bring up uh, Vince's misconduct and Vince's past deeds because that's a different administration. It's a different management system, he said. Well, Triple H was on the board of directors during this and quite frankly could have known that Vince was paying out um, millions of dollars in terms of uh, inappropriate behavior and then financial misconduct. So I think the SEC would actually be really interested to know what Triple H knew or didn't know. Granted, he's not going to answer any questions about it himself either. But it is kind of funny to make that false equivalency. And then he called AEW fans marks within the context of saying that they're going to get so upset by the fact that I'm criticizing Tony Khan. Um, it's just more hatred for wrestling journalists right now. I think too, um, there's merit between kind of the criticisms of some of these wrestling journalists, but it's, it's just a negative cesspool, uh, right now with that. Um, I think Dave Meltzer actually brought up a good point in terms of his civility and not wanting to bash Ariel and being very careful and measured of what he was saying. But Tony doesn't owe you an explanation of what's going on with things behind the scenes that are private company matters. Like they don't have to be leaked to you. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you guys didn't ask questions that were all predicated upon backstage gossip, you'd get more answers. 
or you'd have better conversations. It's it's in the way you interview too. And Alex and I being in human resources know that. It's the way you set up questions. It's the way you sequence questions that will give you more information. A lot of interviewers are terrible at interviewing. I don't like to bash Dave because that becomes a sport, but Jesus Christ, that guy can't ask a question without a preface that goes on for 10 seconds, 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. Let alone with the sentence sputtering and fragments and uh, like uh, 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 before it, yeah, it's excruciating to listen to one of your interviews. Yeah, and so here's the problem: Ariel is he is well known. He's he's a WWE guy. He wants to work for the WWE. He has always talked about how much he loves the WWE, and he also like tweeted out something after making his comments about it not being a great interview that WWE is objectively better than AEW. We've never come up we, on this show. This is majority of what we like to watch is AEW. We've never said that objectively AEW is better than WWE. It's better. It's what we like, but for Ariel to just come out and basically just bash it in his position is weird to me. Like it just comes off as bitter he is trying to just, you know, it feels like he's just trying to get himself more and more in with the WWE, try to get the next Sam Roberts gig or, you know, whoever, Paul Rosenberg gig. And that's where it's kind of <laughs> uh, like sad to me. I think also since when, if you just exchange, like change out somebody, do you not have, does that company not have to answer for their past misdoings? Like if, if WWE, if every single executive is the exact same, except you swap out Vince for, you know, now Stephanie and uh, Nick Connor, the co-CEOs and Triple H is the head of creative, that doesn't just absolve them of everything that they allowed to happen under Vince's watch. Because at the end of the day, Vince isn't the only person that knew about all of that. And if he is, how was that? How was it set up that way that he could hide all of the things he was doing? So, Ariel, that's not a good excuse from that false equivalency that you were saying, um, you know, earlier about like, oh, well, he wasn't in power when that happened. They still have to answer for it. That doesn't that doesn't pr- change what happened. And he probably also didn't want to say this, too, but to even have access to Triple H, just like a lot of people that are high up in the media or have power, they're going to say, OK, I'll do an interview, but here's the stipulations. You will not ask this, 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 this. That's, and if I was going to say, said, I'm surprised. Hey, I wasn't, allowed, I wasn't allowed to because I couldn't talk about this and that. I was going to say, I'm surprised that Tony didn't, or maybe he did and he still asked him in the interview. Um, but I was surprised that that wasn't a stipulation for Tony going on was you don't ask me about the CM Punk stuff because Ariel being a UFC guy and a WWE guy, you know, he was chomping at the bit for a chance to do that. Plus he was the kind of the start of the MJF drama was because MJF went on his show without uh, permission from AEW. And so that kind of all started a lot of that stuff too. And I think too, there's a hesitancy for hesitancy. People are hesitant to give you the leak and the news story when that's been your whole MO. Like that's why Dana fucking hates him. It's because of the yeah. Brock Lesnar stuff for UFC. I mean, he has other reasons why he hates him, but, um, you know, I don't know. I it just, boy, the whole thing's I, a mess. And it's another just embarrassment for wrestling journalism this year. Yeah. And I did tweet this out, but I'd like to put it out there because we do, uh, we do have gone good authority that he is our number one fan. Tony Khan, you are always welcome to come on this show, share your thoughts. Let us know what you're thinking. What's going on in the business. What's going on in the world. You don't want to talk about something. We won't talk about it. We will respect you. So no, we'll do an interview. That's not about fucking gossip. That's like the thing that like why we don't do news on our show or why we don't do news on the website because it's fucking gossip and it's uninteresting and it's boring. And that's why I think there's a lot of resentment towards wrestling journalism too. Um, I would want to know more about creative stuff. I'd want to know more about just what your vision is and how you put things together creatively that's a more interesting thing to me than what's going on with punk are you guys friends are you an mjf cool yeah did he really book a flight who fucking cares yeah no we uh, opinions on that (laughs) (laughs) i think yeah and i think we're all in lockstep on that and then uh lastly wwe day one canceled did they make it one year 
Was it one year or two years that they did that? Pay-per-view? Just one, I think. One day for day one. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I, I knew I, I was like, I'm, I'm feeling an idea. Yeah. I thought I was giving you a softball and you crushed it. So thank you for, thank you. Uh, yeah. for smacking that out of the park. Spike that shit. No, it's just, it's so stupid. Like to do that on the same day as all these great college bowl games. What are you doing? And then this season you have the NFL that's having games that day. Like it's not, yeah. it's just not going to work. I mean, it's smart of them to go, it. let's just cancel this shit now uh, and let's do something different. Cause I think it does make sense. And I, and I love the idea of having no pay-per-views between survivor series yep. and Royal rumble. That's how it was too. like when I was, let it breathe. God damn it. That's that, that was the best. Let it breathe. Let that anticipation go for that Royal rumble. You can do Absolutely. so many angles with who's fighting over spots and just all sorts of fun shit. You can do v- vignettes with them picking numbers out of the little cage that rattles. Oh, That's the good that. shit. Love that. Oh, it's so yep. good. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And um, I think that it feels like WWE is understanding that now. Remember when they first did the the hard brand split, uh, when they first brought SmackDown Live and they were doing like 24 pay-per-views a year because each yeah. brand had a pay-per-view every month. That was fucking brutal. There were some bad shows and I was in too deep. I was watching every single one of them. It was like it was like the paranormal activity movies. I wasn't going to not watch. <laughs> well, and that's also been kind of the rumor too that I heard as well. And who knows if it's true, but there's thought that there's going to be significant rebranding of their pay-per-views as well. I don't know if you saw Sean, you're not in your yeah, head. Yeah. I saw something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Less gimmick pay-per-views and more international shows. It looked like. Yeah. And it's a that. good moneymaker though. I mean, to do like another show in England or Scotland or Ireland or Wales, like that's going to make a lot of money. Well, especially I, I, when it's not a yeah. bad idea. Well, and especially when you're not banking on monthly subscriptions anymore because you're just, yeah. you get your money from Peacock Monthly regardless. Peacock. And people will watch at different times anyways. So it's like, yeah, yeah it, it is kind of, it takes the magic away of like, Oh, there's a big pay-per-view going on and it's not at, you know, nighttime. It's actually at one o'clock or some shit, but like, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. And as long as Chris mm-hmm. finally remembers his password, Sean and I can watch. So Whoa. I did We're figure in. it out. I got We're it. In. I've logged into everything I can, so I'll never have to ask again. Yeah. Not right, that yeah, we're sharing say, our passwords amongst each other. I was going to say, the yeah. password is. <laughs> I wish I knew how to do like the beeping sound. I would, I would just edit that in right there. But yeah, perfect. I'm not quite that advanced yet. Uh, well, that'll wrap up the show for us this week. Uh, once again, we want to thank you for tuning in, listening, sharing, rating, reviewing, subscribing, doing all of that stuff, uh, helping us grow the show organically. We don't do anything uh, from a paid perspective and uh, hope to not have to hope to keep growing this um, naturally um, and, and gaining gaining more and more fans. But uh, once again, thank you for listening. Please make sure you are uh, sharing this with any friends who are into wrestling or maybe you have a friend who's looking to get into wrestling Feel free to shoot us over any questions you have uh, via our Contact Us page on the website. Rick Rude, take us home. Hit the music.